Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Three Women, Three Ways. We're the radio show that takes uh, current information and throws in some historical information and some feminism and some current events and we make it all together in a program to help us understand our culture and our uh, society. With me today is, we've just been talking about this, is a 17th generation uh, daughter of Taiwan. Uh, her name, and, and I'm going to butcher this, I wrote it, wrote it down phonetically, Tricia, but I'm going to butcher it. I Ching? I Ching? Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I Ching Tricia Lin is with us, and uh, we were talking about her 17th generation. I'm astounded that she can uh, trace her family back that far, but, you know, as, as we were saying, sometimes you just, we're all a 17th generation of some woman, so <laughs> that's good. What she does, and why I have her here today, is because she has a, a directorship and professor of women's studies program at Southern Connecticut State University. And what we're going to talk about today is women's studies programs. Now, a lot of us remember the 70s, well, at least a few of us remember the 70s, and that second wave of feminism where supposedly women were burning bras and, uh, you know, making a, a big ruckus, and we associate women's studies with that point in history. However, women's studies programs have been flourishing for the last several decades, um, and um, they're still very relevant, don't you think, Tricia? Yes, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, if okay. anything, women's studies um, has always been very relevant. And mm-hmm. because of its relevance, um, it evolves with um, the times we've lived, you know, in the last four decades. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. How, how did it start out and where is it now? Well, in the first years of uh, women's studies, the question we asked um, were largely, um, where are women in our curriculum? Now, here we are talking about uh, academia. Now, of course, women's studies uh, has its uh, very strong roots in um, student movements, women's movements, and civil rights movements. So when um, in the... In 1969-1970, when uh, the first few courses were offered, um, the questions really largely about, you know, where are women in literature? Uh, what's, women, what's the representation of a woman like, say, in French literature, in Chinese literature? Um, today, the question of uh, women's representation uh, remains one, but um, women's studies, as uh, you know, true to its uh, origin, has uh, gone truly intersectional. Um, by intersectional, we mean that it actually um, looks at uh, the complexity of our identity. Yes, um, we ask about women, uh, but it's not all women are the same. So we look at um, you know, women from different um, racial, ethnic, class, sexuality, religious backgrounds. Um, in that regard, um, we, we, we say that women's studies uh, do evolve with time. 
Um, so from its early days of the 70s till today, if we look at the curriculum, my goodness, it's almost like um, it's a kaleidoscope. Um, it's a tremendous growth um, by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. I was on the Duke University website where they have a very academic-sounding definition for their women's studies program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say the women and men who enroll in our classes each semester gain the opportunity to understand how social, historical, and psychological forces organized by the central concept of gender shape them as individuals, attain a fuller understanding of human behavior, culture, and society made possible by investigating women's lives, acquaint themselves with the experience of women of different economic classes, sexual orientations, and cultural and racial backgrounds, and transfer the critical and analytic skills they acquire in the study of gender and society. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really highfalutin, but if you look at it, I mean, you, you couldn't... You couldn't explain it better, I don't think. Um, it's not just uh, about, oh, this woman invented something and nobody wrote anything about her. It's about how does this, how does gender, both male and female, affect right. us and affect, affect our cultures, affect our individuality. Um, I think it's a very comprehensive, comprehensive sociological study. But a lot of people think that it's equivalent to, okay, your, your daughter got a degree or your son got a degree in women's studies, and so he has to practice saying, do you want fries with that? What right. do people do with women's studies degrees? Uh, well, you know, this is uh, one of the questions. I, I would say this is probably the uh, most frequently asked questions I receive from both um, students and um, often um, family and significant others of uh, women's studies um, students. What do we do with women's studies degree? Um, We often say um, with a women's studies degree, there's just about nothing you cannot do. I mean, we can actually look at uh, uh, women's studies uh, folks holding leadership positions in many, many parts of the world. Um, we look at the, um, the president of um, Liberia, um, uh, Sir Liz Johnson, um, who in so many ways is a women's studies person. And we also know that um, the president of um, Presidents of several um, higher educational institutions have been uh, faculty of women's studies, including um, a president of Harvard, president of a Syracuse. Um, the list is actually uh, growing and uh, becoming quite long. And our women's studies students, if I think about the graduates from both our undergraduate and the graduate program at Southern Connecticut State, uh, they have gone on to become professors, uh, become uh, social change agencies, become um, advocates of um, uh, intimate violence, uh, domestic violence or intimate uh, partner violence survivors. Um, they have gone on to advocate for all kinds of issues. They become transgender um, issues uh, advocates as well. Yeah. Um, um, the list I, is very long. Well, I you know I'm big on googling, and I uh, just googled um, uh, what can you do with a women's studies 
degree. And I mm-hmm. found this website um, from OSU, and I, the Ohio State University. Yay, I'm from Ohio. And uh-huh. they list, they actually list what can I do with a WGSS degree? And they list careers from their past graduates. And there's network administrator, analyst for United Healthcare, administrative associate, job developer, academic advisor, grants manager, research advisor, uh, real estate broker, attorney, marketing and research and promotion, uh, uh, patient advocate, uh, tutor, well, well that's good, um, coordinator of different programs, Friends of the Homeless, uh, Sexual Assault Response Network of Central Ohio, uh, Kelly Services, which I believe is a, a temp service, is it not? Um, director of Xavier University of Louisiana, um, director of the Maine Department of Mental Health. Um, let me pick out a couple of others here. Um, a lot of them go on to be Ph.D. students um, and professors, which is, is what I expected. I expected it to be mostly academic. But these folks are down. They're journalists and artists and musicians and business owners and um, just Indeed. union organizers. I mean, it is across the spec- spectrum the, of um, a human life, actually. And I... Um, a few years ago, um, Ms. Magazine uh, ran an article about uh, what can you do with a degree in women's studies. I, I remember the title, and Nikki Stewart, um, the writer who penned that article, actually, I think, has a, a very catchy title called Transform the World. Yeah. And yeah. from our very um, unique and specific locales in different in different uh, directions of the world. Yeah. Um, so it's not just ladies with long skirts and Birkenstocks and short hairdos um, uh, who hate men. Some of them are in, can, may fit in that type, but we are all different shapes and forms and different genders, I would say, right? Uh, male, yes, female, yes. Uh, transgender, and, you know, of all different um, expressions. Um, As a matter of fact, I I would suspect that the number of men majoring or even taking women's studies classes has increased a lot in the last decade. Is that true, or am I I Um, wrong here? I think that is by and large true. I may sound hesitant here, largely because I don't have data in front of me, uh, but From where I am, um, definitely, I mean, we have had about uh, 10 men um, going into our master's degree program, and increasingly men in the undergraduate um, uh, classes, classrooms as well. Yeah. We've had a, a number of men on our show who are uh, pro-feminist, and uh, one of whom you know, Rob Oaken, he was on talking about his latest book, and, um, you know, I'm so encouraged by that. I, I just, I'm of the generation where, you know, women's studies was considered kind of a joke. And in doing the research for the show, I'm like, wow, I'm embarrassed that I even, you know, entertained yeah. that notion. Um, if you are like me, and this is all news to you about women's studies, give us a call. Let us know your experience. If you have a women's studies degree or program that you've taken, uh, let us know about it. The phone number is 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. 
So, um, yeah, I'm, I've learned a lot about this. And uh, one of the things that I see is that women's studies seems to have broadened so. Um, I think it was what Gloria Steinem who said anonymous was a woman. Um, yeah. And so a lot of the early years, I suspect, were just trying to seek out, identify uh, women who were just ignored in history and, and in literature. Um, and now I would think that we've identified a lot of those women, and now we're looking more at what gender does in society. And if we want to understand that, we have to understand gender studies. A- am I right there? Yes. Um, and, you know, yes, we have to understand the category of gender um, in our uh, analysis, um, but also, you know, the category of uh, race, the category of class. Um, and so it is. Uh, women's studies, uh, as it, you know, um, as it is, has always been very intersectional. And uh, gender definitely, you know, since it's women's studies, uh, it has a, its distinct uh, roots in the uh, gender gendered analysis. Um, but that's the starting point, and never the uh, the end point. Enrollment in women's studies programs, uh, has it fluctuated uh, or just been kind of increasing over the, the decades? Do you know? I mean, if you don't know, that's okay. Yes, yes. Actually, I, I, women's studies, um, now it's named in multiple ways, as you just pointed out. Gender studies in some departments, programs, uh, sexuality studies, or women's gender sexuality studies in one of uh, those combinations has only multiplied. Um, It has not slowed down, actually. In terms of um, the budget cut um, in academia, um, folks have been predicting that uh, there will be some scale back uh, for women's studies uh, and gender studies, I yet have to see that happen. That may be happening in some programs, but what we actually have uh, witnessed is the um, the steady growth of uh, women's studies programs uh, on the doctoral level and the master's level. They have not slowed down at all. Wow. Um, the reason I ask that is because I've had uh, I have a, a young daughter. I think I told you she got mad at me for saying uh, uh, that we ta- tackle women's issues on this program. She insists there there are no women's issues and that they are just human being issues, mm-hmm. which I certainly certainly agree with in theory. <laughs> but realistically, I think that there still are a number of issues that are considered women's of women's interest, and that's about it. Um, but um, a lot of the young women that I'm exposed to, and I'm thinking like under 21, say, they really they think feminism is done, it's done its work, it's gone, it doesn't need to be thought about anymore. And same thing about women's studies. You know, like my daughter, you know, women's studies, gender, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, and so I was wondering if recently some young people have just not uh, been... Uh, moving toward gender studies and, um, you know, I mean, if you think that all the work's been done, why would you go there to do more work? Right. Um, and the work is not done. I mean, it, yeah. it's, in fact, 
you know, um, I would like to think that uh, women's studies or gender studies or feminist studies has been made uh, redundant. Um, we would like to see that moment, you know, to arrive anytime soon, but it's not. And so what we have seen, at least in my classroom experience, is that um, lots of um, young folks, men and women, they um, often proclaim that um, gender equality has, you know, we have reached gender equality. There's no need for um, feminism or, or women's studies. And so this, this is actually discussion in all my classes, whether it, it bears, you know, uh, the title of women's studies or not. But very quickly, um, you know, after some close reading, after some analysis of uh, our daily life, um, students would quickly say, wow, I never really realized. Because you don't have to get out of a building or anything, do you? <laughs> I hear the the sirens in the background. Your building's not on fire, is it? <laughs> Live in a very very colorful section of New Haven. Uh, lots of action happening here. I'm literally two blocks away from the hospitals. A couple of hospitals actually. So um, oh, okay. The fire siren in the background. This is a sort of a, my um, my cityscape. <laughs> Good. Well, we won't worry about you then. I was hearing those sirens thinking, hmm, they're getting closer and closer. <laughs> maybe maybe we should call each other back later. Um, <laughs> but oh, no, I'm... Uh, you're, you're safe, and that's the important thing. Um, well, it's good to know, uh, to me anyway, that feminism and, uh, well, I may, I'm lumping feminism in there, that gender studies uh, are as popular, as they, if not more so, than they've ever been. Um, because I think more people, just like with the change in the name that you're talking about, uh, more toward gender studies, I, I think it's um, more inclusive of history. I mean, it, it lets people know that it's not just females; it's also males. It's people, right. of, you know, different, you know, that that affected our history and our sociology. And so it's not just, uh, you know, women having a consciousness-raising thing like they did in the 70s or 80s. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of subjects do you, do you teach in women's studies? I teach, because of my background, um, is in literature. So I, I, when I teach, I incorporate a lot of uh, literature. I teach um, some of our staples here, uh, dynamics of uh, gender, race, class. It's an uh, introductory course to women's studies. And mm-hmm. um, I also teach um, one of our liberal education uh, courses called uh, Women, Community, Technology. Oh. Um, and I teach contemporary feminist theories uh, in the under, undergraduate level course. Um, on the graduate level, um, I have taught history of feminist thought um, from antiquity until, um, you know, modern days. I've also taught um, women's studies research methods. Um, I teach a whole gamut. And, uh, but, of course, women's studies uh, curriculum is not just limited to what I teach. We have uh, courses in public health, courses in business, courses in, the, in law or pre-law. Um, it's... Um, one of the words, uh, one of the, uh, the terms I've used 
again, again, it, it's intersectional. It's also interdisciplinary. So it can be history, can be political science, can be um, sociology, English, can be Spanish. Um, mm. Just about any field, and it can also be physics. <laughs> physics, really? Indeed, it can be physics. Um, I am sharing a story here um, about one of um, our alum, alumni uh, who came to our program with a PhD in uh, physics. Um, for some wow. reason, she arrived in our program. Um, the story is very personal, so I'm not going to uh, share much of that, except to say that uh, she arrived at our program asking a question. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to have a gender? I have never been told that I am female. Um, so that question, that quest, uh, got her on to three years of um, uh, graduate work in women's studies. And when she finished, she was already teaching, uh, again, physics in the multiple institutions um, in Connecticut. And in one of them, she um, applied what she had learned in women's studies, um, you know, ways of uh, teaching differently from the traditional classroom. So um, I would just say she started teaching physics a la feminist or according to uh, women's studies pedagogy. And uh, the first, in the first few years, she... Um, taught a course called um, Physics for Future Presidents for um, undergraduate uh, non-physics majors. And um, she insisted to actually know all her students' names, even though it's 150 students. It's almost 100 students in the classroom. It's literally impossible to to learn all your students' names within a few weeks uh, after the semester started. But she managed in such a way to make it personal, to make it fun, to make it uh, engaging. Um, and in so many ways, I look at uh, her teaching is really teaching physics, you know, uh, according to feminist um, ways of um, knowledge dissemination. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I see that is partly a women's studies legacy. So it sounds to me like um, a successful women's studies graduate um, is just like normal people, (laughs) except he or she (laughs) looks at uh, uh, society without excluding uh, female gender. Right. uh, I'm saying that awkwardly. Yes, and I would even push it a little bit further. It is not... Uh, excluding, it is including all genders and uh, taking our differences as our uh, strengths and that using them as uh, our ways of uh, learning, different ways of learning, different ways of uh, knowing things. And yes, no more people. <laughs> like <a> yes, <laughs> you know, you, you know. I realize you realize I'm saying that tongue in cheek. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, 
I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this, and I'm, I'm kind of wishing that I'd had gender studies when I was in undergraduate school. Um, I, part I, often, of what, I often have that wish, <laughs> by the way. Even yeah. though I direct the women's studies program, I'm professor of women's studies, and uh, I am very active uh, nationally um, uh, through my role in uh, National Women's Studies Association. I actually had almost no uh, women's studies courses uh, when I was um, pursuing my uh, graduate degrees. And I often wish I had. But, uh, you know, the, the good news is women's studies is everywhere. It doesn't have to be in women's studies uh, for anyone to have um, education in women's studies, right? Otherwise, right. women's studies would have never um, come into existence. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, like I said, I'm, I'm you know, long in the tooth here, and I remember the 70s, and um, we didn't really have an identity. Women were were um, just not visible, and the right. ones who were visible was Miss America. We were real big on Miss America back then, and when they made no pretense about being a scholarship program at all, um, and the the movie stars. You know, those were our feminist roles, and those of us who didn't fit into that mold, if you will, really mm-hmm. had no role model. We really didn't know what it meant uh, to be um, a woman in our culture and the potential that we would have. I remember I come from a, a long line of, of school dropouts, and when mm-hmm. I told my, my family that I was going to go to college, um, my father said, well, just if you insist on going to college, at least be a nurse or a... Um, Oh, what was the other thing? A teacher. At least be a nurse or a teacher so you can get work. Right. I um, I totally relate to that. And I want to say <laughs> we were talking about, um, you know, the situation that women and girls suffer from, that is a lack of uh, um, recognition, a lack of um, being uh, acknowledged, um, you know, for their own rights uh, continues to exist. I, you know, I was born and raised in Taiwan uh, into this whole um, Confucian ideology of, um, you know, women following, ideal women uh, follows, uh, would follow three obediences um, and four virtues. And the three obediences are um, a woman, uh, a one would obey uh, her father before marriage uh, and obeying her husband once married and obeying her son um, once widowed. And so (laughs) someone like me, a total anomaly, you know, was a little bit difficult for for lots of my um, elders to handle. I mean, what do you do when a girl really likes to study? And she gets all the highest grades in a lot of classes. Um, so my father, even until um, his last few years, would still say that, uh, what a pity, you know, I should have been a boy. <laughs> he, of course mm-hmm. he said that with some sense of pride, but, you know, it is, <laughs> it is very twisted pride. Yes, yeah. 
It's a pride that says you can't be you. Mm-hmm. That that you have recognition because you're so much like the other. Right, and I, you know, with all the degrees, with all the uh, the learning I got, um, it would be it's almost wasted. You know, I should have been a boy. Um, um, but I said uh, the good news is that we have evolved, and and you know, I when I look at my family, it's no longer the case, and nor do my family insist that or no a family. Uh, would be incomplete without a boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, can I ask a personal question? Sure. Do you have children? No, I do not. Okay. I just wondered, as the children in your life, if you are consciously treating them differently from how you were um, raised. That's just kind of the question that I had, but or, I don't I, know how much. I actually... Um, you know, when I was making my early comments, I um, had in mind my sister's children. Um, my sister did not have a feminist education, um, but in so many ways, they uh, what they have what they have given uh, to their children um, is nothing but feminist. They um, one sister has only daughters, but she is just happy to have daughters. So this. Uh, you know this whole ancient notion of three obediences is a you know the, the dictating a woman would be incomplete without having a son, right? Or um, mm-hmm. and my my sister did not feel that way at all. So I look at it as like a time indeed, you know, has evolved um, in different corners of the world, and we just want this to be spread out a little bit more evenly. Um, so mm-hmm. that um, girls would not be punished for wanting to have an education, um, in you know, as we know that that continues to be a struggle in uh, different corners of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think, you know, just your opinion? Do you think that the attitudes uh, have are changing uh, or have changed about women having their own um, lives, if you will? Um, it's a Difficult question to ask. I I think I uh, can speak for myself. I live in a very privileged uh, world uh, where education for all is um, is almost a birthright. Um, but that's not the case everywhere, even in the United States of America, um, depending on um, the family background. Um, so it's not everywhere. But, but I would say at the university, um, you know, the people that I work with, that is very much the assumption. Mm-hmm. There's a term, you know, I, I mentioned to you that I'm in grad school working on my dissertation, and one of the the key terms that's been thrown at me throughout my graduate school experience is scholar-practitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> where the whole oh, I, idea I love that. of well, an talk- education is not necessarily to, you know, just do research or uh, sit in the proverbial ivory tower. It's to translate that information into actual um, work and into actual uh, daily life. And I would and say that is sounds, women's studies. You know, the knowledge... Yeah, I was going to say it sounds to me like they, like that's what you're saying about women's studies. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, knowledge yeah. would not serve us if it's not uh, it's, it, 
you know, doesn't have application in our life. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the terms we used very close to um, scholar, a practitioner is uh, activist scholar or uh, mm-hmm. scholar, uh, scholar activist, right? I mean, activist implies as someone who would uh, turn um, in knowledge into action. Yeah. So um, I see the evolution, because I'm older than, you know, Methuselah, I have seen the evolution uh, from that 70s, you know, wait a minute, where are the women, um, mm-hmm. all the way up to today where it's more like, yeah, there are women there, and how are we acting upon that? What what do we have in our knowledge base that enables us to show women uh, role models, to show women uh, doing things from motherhood all the way up to you know physics, as you were mentioning? Mm-hmm. Um, it it seems like the array of visible opportunities for women has increased just tremendously. Do you accredit um, any any you know the growth in women's studies with that kind of a phenomenon that's going on? I would say it is a mutual growth. Um, they go hand in hand. Uh, women's okay. studies, for sure, has contributed to um, a very significant change of um, ways that we do scholarship in academia. Um, and um, in turn, uh, it also reinforces um, the movements um, outside of um the towers, right? The, um, yes. the women's movements, different kinds of struggles, um, you know, struggle for healthcare issues. All the all of these things that go hand in hand, and in turn, that also um, gives women's studies um, its visibility as well. Mm-hmm. I have a book that I have had and bought new editions of as I've gone along called For Her Own Good by uh, Barbara Ehrenrich, I'm not sure I say that, and Deidre English. Uh, Are you familiar with that book? Yeah, it's a great book, and it's an interesting book. And when I first bought the first edition, it was 100 years, the subtitle was 100 Years of the Expert's Advice to Women. The latest version I just got says two centuries of the expert's advice to women. So I don't know whether I've just lived a lot longer (laughs) than I think I have or whether they've uh, expanded the research for this. But the premise of the book is that the expectations for women and the roles that women are um, given in our society, that's not really the word I want, but it's the best one I can come up with, are solely dependent on what society needs at the time. A generalization uh, or a simplification would be, okay, during World War II, we needed women in factories. So it was fine for your children. Your children were going to be just perfect you know, going to uh, daycare with the neighbor or with grandma or whatever. It was just fine for those kids because you had to be in the factory. And all of the magazine articles and the the conversation was about, you know, yeah, that's fine. You're doing great. Those kids are doing great. After World War II, the culture changed. And all of a sudden we had all these other soldiers, you know, coming back home, resuming their jobs, displacing the women who had replaced them, 
and suddenly our culture starts talking about and, and showing research in uh, how damaged children would be if they were raised by anyone other than their biological mother. Um, mm-hmm. And that whole thing changed to the June Cleaver kind of image where you had to be the one, you had to be there, you had to do everything. So that the dichotomy between what was expected during World War II and then after World War II um, looking at it in retrospect, I mean, it was absolutely, it had nothing to do with gender. It had nothing to do with anything other than economics. Yes. Do you um, see economics as a large part of women's studies? It is. It is. And um, although it depends on uh, you know, institutions, economics or political science, uh, play. Mm-hmm. Um, different roles um, can be very central um, or can be um, can have a sort of marginal uh, you know role in the uh, the curriculum and it, it really should be because um, you know a lot of it when you look at the different um, waves of backlash so very often we can trace that trace to the you know, the root in um, economics. Yes. Yeah. Um, if and, and I think, you know, sociologically, that whole idea of the zero-sum gain, where if a woman gets something, it's at the expense of a man. Right. Um, and, that, and that, of there, course, is a very dangerous notion, as if um, we couldn't really gain together, right? Um, exactly. Pit yeah. um, I, I so think. against each other. Yes, exactly. But I think we still, as a culture, do tend to see that. Um, maybe not in the the pr- popular press or in academia, but I ran across, uh, well, we actually had a couple callers to the show on one of the episodes that we did. I can't remember the topic. But I was astounded at the response of a couple of the men who called in. Um, they They definitely, I mean, one of the callers, specifically said men have ruled the world and men have made all the major advances in, in culture, uh, you know, for the, through them, and if women keep wanting to take over, then men are just not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I thought, well, in the first place, it's not just men who have made this. Right. Uh, and in the second place, really, you really think that there are only so many men and women and that if a woman comes and does your job, then that means one man has to be, you know, stepping away. I, I, right, I don't, right. I, and, and at the same time, it is definitely uh, total. It's sort of, um, you know, an expression of a, a certain level of ignorance, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. matriarchy does exist, and we know until this day, um, in the many indigenous communities, uh, women continue to uh, lead and and the rule um, different communities, but the co-rule, I should say, co-lead communities, um, you know, in the, um, and I'm talking about uh, the mother, um, the, the clan mother in the, uh, in the Iroquois, um, you know, tradition, right? The clan mother um, are the ones, the clan mothers are the ones who actually select the chief. And uh, a chief can be disposed at any time by clan mothers. And so this is just one contemporary example. Um, and we have, uh, we know that uh, uh, human societies uh, have not always been um, patriarchal, 
either. Yes, yeah. They used to say, well, um, the, in all the animal species, including humankind, it's the male who, leave, you know, I mean, that used to be actually an accepted idea and um, doesn't take too long to debunk that whole idea. Uh, there are animal species and uh, human cultures that are very definitely matriarchal. Um, yeah. Despite what some people still believe. <laughs> um, I ran across an article uh, by a woman named Hillary Watchler, whom I'm not familiar with. Do you? Does that name ring a bell for you? No. Uh, tell me about her. Um, I ran across this article, and I found it very interesting, and it's five reasons you should major in women's studies. And the first one of the, she she does an introduction, and then she says, what you don't know actually does hurt you. Um, In other words, uh, that if you don't um, understand where you've been, for example, you can't really move into the future with that. Her her comment is that um, she had she got two memorable responses as a women's studies major. One, do you hate men or are you a lesbian? And mm-hmm. two, yes. I studied women in college too. Ha ha ha. And um, <laughs> usually uttered by your friend's creepy dad or your questionable uncle. Um, <laughs> and runner up called. Why isn't there a men's studies? And uh, her response is, there is a men's studies. It's called history. And it, yes, I, there is this thing called men's studies, and it's everywhere, <laughs> I would say. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, the other, a second response, she says, is it applies to everything. When you major in women's studies, you study politics, theory, literature, history, sociology, psychology, all with a feminist perspective. You discover and ask questions no one's ever challenged you with before. Well, you it's relevant. Sorry, that's so very true. Yeah, um, it's relevant. Um, have you read the news lately? It's war on woman. This and birth control access violates our religious freedom. That women and women's health are at the center of politics just right right now. And uh, she said, as long as people are fighting to turn back the clock on women's rights, women will need advocates for equality, and that's where a women's studies major comes in. Oppression knows no bounds, but the good news is that justice doesn't either. (laughs) That is beautifully put. I love it. Yeah. The funny thing about women's studies is that it's not just about women. It makes you think about layers of identity and explore how oppressions like racism, sexism, and ableism are comparable and intertwined. Uh, One of the first words you learn as a women's studies major is intersectionality. Um, And then she has uh, her fifth uh, reason for studying is it's on the right side of history. When you choose this major, you become an agent, not a bystander, in the process of bringing humanity one step closer to equality. Right. And of course, she, you know, goes goes on uh, and elaborates on each of those. But I thought that was a beautiful explanation of why women's studies. You know, um, why would you do this when, um, presumably, there's not a huge, you know, uh, economic benefit to having a women's studies degree. At least that's the perception. Um, and many people believe that the only reason you should get a higher education is so that you can basically improve your bottom line. Uh, as a as a person in our society, 
Have you ever encountered that from people who know that you are uh, involved in women's studies? Do they ever ask you about the money and, and you know, the economic uh, status people, of, of... People do. They, they wonder what kind of jobs, um, you know, do you, uh, with a degree in women's studies land. And um, very often it's really surprise, curiosity, you know. Also, what do you do in women's studies? politely, um, and that, that's, um, I would say that is largely from uh, folks who um, have very, very little understanding of, or I should say marginal understanding of women's studies, but uh, I would say the other half, the other uh, um, half of the response would be happy surprise. Wow, how wonderful. You know um, that you have um, that you actually can have a professorship in women's studies, that you uh, teach women's studies, and uh, it is uh, you know a f- absolutely fantastic, um, t- and it's a very privileged position as I I said that you know sometimes can it can feel like a bubble, um, but we like to think that um, that. The, the work we do is not just in our little bubble. We connect um, profoundly to to the world outside. As uh, Hillary Watchler, um, you know, wonderfully um, puts it, it's relevant and it applies to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often like to uh, when people. You know, ask about the practicality of a degree in women's studies or even the uh, applicability of women's studies, I'd like to just give an example of uh, our graduates. Um, it is not exactly a data, but it's a narrative. It is, um, you know, some extraordinary uh, stories to share, to tell. Mm-hmm. Why do people go into women's studies? Um, I get all kinds of incredible uh, answers. That I ask students often, I mean applicants coming to our master's degree program, why they choose women's studies. Um, a former student who had been a lawyer before entering, applying to the program, she said, I'm so tired of corporate world. I want to have a break. Uh, I want to do something that I finally, that I thoroughly enjoy. And another one I shared earlier uh, from a someone with a PhD in physics is I want to find out what it means to have a gender. And uh, from others, I want to many, many actually use this, and and, and everyone has a different uh, uh, social economic justice to fight for. But many use this. I want to make a difference in the world. And I think, uh, you know, again, this is not based on any research. This is just my, you know, observation. Uh, I see a lot of people who are mid-career mm-hmm. and perhaps very financially successful who all of a sudden start thinking, you know, yeah, this has been good, but it's not fulfilling that need in me to be uh, make a difference in the world. 
And I see a, a lot of people who will stop their careers mid, at midpoint and switch to teaching or switch to, um, you know, something like women's studies. They want people have, I think, have a, a desire to make a difference in the world, to be important for something. Um, and, uh, I mean, I do, don't you? I, yeah. I want. I would like to be important for something in the world, and earning a paycheck is nice. But is that really the important thing to society and to the world? Um, I suppose it can be. I mean, you can do a lot of things with money. Um, look at Bill Gates. You know, I mean, they're doing a wonderful job. The foundation, um, right. but still, for most of us, that's 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 not available to us, and and uh, it's more important for us to physically do something. Um, as ourselves that will change the world or at least do our little little uh, impact on the world and what i and i never have have had this thought before but it does seem to me that women's studies is a good jump off place for people who want to do that uh have that impact on the world um i from your no yes absolutely i would definitely say so and i would also uh, say that there are um you know I hope I, I don't sound like uh, I'm someone who's um, who's trying to tell uh, direct people uh, to different places. But the women's studies um, really um, has no borders. Uh, so you may be taking an English class, um, and your professor may not um, actually say this is a women's studies course. But but so very often women's studies are offered. Uh, courses are offered in the different the disciplines, in different guises, in education, you know, um, in, um, you know, recreation and leisure, in different uh, spheres. So th- th- they, people can't, um, um, you know, find women's studies from different places. And I, and I, May have um, you know given the impression that uh, this people in women's studies seem to be of um, a particular age group, but it's very very diverse. And I think you just um, pointed that out. Um, my program has an online graduate certificate program, and uh, what is fascinating about that uh, online uh, certificate program is that we are seeing. Um, a very very diverse group of people applying to um, uh, applying applying to the program, and including you know um, men from a far flung well I should shouldn't use the word far flung corners, but the, I, since I I just said it I'll claim it. Um, so we have um, someone uh, in a program from Saudi Arabia, you know, who's really in, in interested. At, Professor of English interested in, in learning about gender issues, and um, and someone who's um, full-time fundraiser in um, a um, in American Heart Association wanted to know more about what it means, you know, um, to actually have gender in gender component in her work as well as in her teaching, mm-hmm. and all these you know, different, uh, you know diverse um, ethnic, national, uh, gender, as well as uh, professional um, backgrounds. Mm-hmm. 
I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, I was asking, oh, I know, about literature. Um, you mentioned literature studies a lot, and I always took a lot of literature classes whenever I could. And so often we analyze literature based on the historical period in which it was written, what's mm-hmm. going on in history uh, during that time. And usually it's men's history. It would be very interesting for me to go back and and see some of these books, these classics that I I read, um, and have that history, um, that placement in history and and what history had to do to affect this this writing, this book or whatever, um, that included what was happening with women. Completely. You couldn't see me. I was actually nodding (laughs) very, very uh, (laughs) eagerly, as you were saying, uh, so we have courses like women's history, right? Revisiting history mm-hmm. from a uh, women's perspective um, and revisiting literature as well, you know, reading Victorian um, uh, period, again, from a women, uh, women's lens. And from, oh, from a, a, um, a different, uh, uh, you know, lens of a different sexuality. Um, so, yes, it would immensely fascinating just to revisit what we have been taught, what mm-hmm. we had always been taught in the uh, the study we call <laughs> studies, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, that really interests me. I'm, gonna, I'm going to look, <laughs> which is crazy because I'm already a student, but I'm going to look uh, at your, your university's online program in women's studies. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, that's... That could add to the work that I do. Um, I think sometimes uh, men uh, don't get it, and um, I, had, I know I do a lot of uh, public speaking on the issues of domestic violence, and one men's group that I went to, um, they seemed kind of like, it was funny because these were all middle-aged men or older, and they seemed like they were just kind of snickering in the background you know, about this. And I have I have a good deal of teacher in me, and so I stopped my lecture and I said, "Do you have something you'd like to share with us?" <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that I asked was, you know, you don't think that this applies to you, that this is important in your life, but how many of you have, you know, children, uh, daughters? And you know, raise your hands. How many of you have daughters? And some hands mm-hmm. went up. And I said, "How, how many of you have uh, sisters?" And the hands went up. And I said, how many of you have wives? And a few hands went up. And there was still one hand that didn't go up. And I said, how many of you have mothers? <laughs> because right. Right. any of you who have any of these people in your lives, this does apply to you. It is important to you because it's important to all of us, you know. Um, and I think sometimes we approach things like women's studies by, well, what's that have to do with me? It doesn't have anything to do with me, but it might have something to do with you because you have something to do with somebody else. Um, I'm not saying that very well, but do you know what I mean? Yes, and we are all related, right? I mean, everything is connected. Um, mm-hmm. So what, you know, women's studies, one very, very broad definition I I use uh, from time to time, is is a study of our world, you know, from, uh, you know, on one level is from women's studies lens, 
and we study women and their world and what is not in women's world, right? Mm-hmm. It's everything. Yes, exactly. So, coming full circle, women's studies is something that's not just for women. It's not something that's just for man-haters. It's not something that only applies to a tiny little percentage of, of people. It's not something that boxes you in to academia as far as a career. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot. I'm yes. learning a lot. What else, what else about women's studies have we not covered that you'd like us to know? Um, it's, um, I would say it, it is, uh, uh, <laughs> women's studies is a little bit unboxable, right? Um, so <laughs> the moment we think that we, we cover all categories, there, there's one thing that we are leaving out. Um, and what is wonderful is that we're seeing uh, the women's studies uh, is uh, going very global. Um, it is studied in um, many earnestly in many many parts of the world, um, and it's um, you know. So in some ways, this is um, it's not entirely um, you know women's studies. What I, what I would want to say is that uh, it has academic origin has definitely is rooted in the. Um, the women's movements in the 60s, 70s in the United States. And so in some ways this is a, what we have given to the world and we just have to continue to nourish and grow, um, you know, this tremendous legacy that we from this country. Yeah. Well, to acknowledge that women have been there, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've, women have been there. From the beginning, <laughs> and um, and there were more women than you know, just the the few that we know as notorious. You know, um, we've been there every day. And one of the comments that I remember they used to say years ago was, "The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world." And <laughs> in yes. one, have you ever heard that one? Um, no, I have not. But that makes sense to me. No, and yes. It, in many parts of the world, the women hold up half of the sky, actually more than half of the sky as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. My daughter, who spent a, a year in China, has that on her, uh, you know, on her wall, that, that phrase. Um, but, you know, women have been there, and they're not just in the background because their secondary or their inventions or their their uh, thoughts were are secondary. They were in the background because we didn't put them in the foreground. And it sounds to me like women's studies does that. It puts women in the foreground rather than the background. Yes, uh, and that is absolutely uh, right. And I want to say, you know, um, in light of uh, Mother's Day weekend, we can also look at, um, you know, the Mother's Day, how very much uh, it is a women's studies subject. You yes, know, it has, absolutely. you know, if you look at the origin of uh, uh, Mother's Day, it um, really was about, it was actually anti-war, um, abolitionist, anti-violence. Yep. Um, Tricia, I thank you so much for joining us. I usually try to end our show with a quote, and this is the one that I found for this week. It's by Jane Galvin Lewis. Again, I have no idea who she is. But 
her quote is, you don't have to be anti-man to be pro-woman. And I think that's important for us to remember. You don't have to be anti-man. And a lot of people have the misconception that anyone in, that women's studies is anti-man. And uh, I've learned a lot. Thank you so much, Tricia, for so much. joining us today. Um, I've learned a lot, and I wish you success in your program. And I'm going to look up your online pro- certificate program. Thank you so much for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. Join us again next week at the same time. Thank you.